Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I am Shmuley Yanklowitz, President and Dean of Valley Beit Midrash. Here at VBM, we strive to bring you only the highest quality of Jewish learning. Bringing pluralistic and innovative Jewish programming to the Jewish community that craves substance and insight is our passion. But we cannot do it alone. To support our endeavors, please consider donating a tax-deductible contribution to our organization. By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valleybatemadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. Pleasure to be here with Doug Kent, who is Senior Strategy Officer at Ben the Ark Jewish Action, who has two decades of experience in grassroots organizing, political education, and movement building. Formerly, Doug was working as the Executive Director of Jews for Racial and Economic Justice from 2011 to 2017. I'm a big fan, and I'm privileged to have the opportunity to talk with you. So thank you for making time. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's really wonderful to be in conversation with you always and today. Thank you. Thank you. So um, bracketing the chaos that we are immersed within in the moment to as much uh, of an extent as possible, how for you has your work changed over the last three or four years? Mm -hmm. Yeah. country has changed so much over the last three or four years. Um, and my own work has uh, changed significantly alongside of it. And particularly uh, the growth of the white nationalist movement and white nationalist ideas moving from the margins to the mainstream uh, under this administration has really changed the political landscape. And so for me, um, I do a lot of work against racism and against anti-Semitism. And specifically my work against anti-Semitism, it had been about educating people involved in social justice work to build an understanding of anti-Semitism so that it can be one of the systems of oppression that we are all fighting against together. Um, and so it can't be used to break up our social movements as the right has done for generations in other countries and ours. Um, but I and many others um, had to really pivot um, to work against the spread of violent anti-Semitism coming from the far right. Um, which has increased so significantly over these last four years and and under current political leaders. So the fight against white nationalist forces has become um, central to my work. And really, I've understood it more broadly as um, central to the fight to build inclusive multiracial democracy um, that this country really needs. Um, And so it's it's uh, both been um, a, a honing in and a broadening um, at the same time, and really finding um, a huge diversity of partners working alongside and finding more and more of our non-Jewish partners um, committed to fighting anti-Semitism alongside us. So that's been um, exciting. Yeah, yeah. 
how, how do you understand the interconnection in present day America between anti-black racism and anti-Semitism? Yeah, um, good question. Um, there's, there's a lot of different um, incarnations of this. Um, the area that I've been most focused on um, has been the ways drawing on what we were just speaking about that um, anti-Semitism and anti-Black racism are so inextricably linked for white nationalists. Um, an updated version of white nationalism developed in the period immediately following the civil rights movement um, because there was really this question um, for folks that wanted um, segregation to remain to say, how did black folks win? Um, how did they lose? Uh, those who believed that black people are subhuman um, had to somehow explain black, black brilliance and achievement and resistance. And their explanation was and continues to be the Jews. They just repackaged these centuries old anti-Semitic ideas into a new social context. Um, and according to this logic, Jews prop up and position black people as their agents to undermine and dismantle white Christian society. Um, and white nationalists believe that black people are incapable uh, of doing uh, what they're able to do without the meddling of Jews. So several you know, decades ago, their explanation for the power of the NAACP was, oh, it's because Jews were part of the funding and part of the early leadership. That explains the power of this institution. Um, and it's continued and it's grown to today where we've seen white nationalists and, and even our president claim that black organizers were in the streets in Ferguson and elsewhere as paid protesters supported by Soros money. And the movement for black lives has been claimed to be a plot by Soros and kind of the list goes on. So anti-Semitism and anti-black racism are deeply intertwined um, in this white nationalist ideology that is spreading from margins to the mainstream today. Um, and I wanna mention briefly also connections between anti-immigrant xenophobia and anti-Semitism. And I know that this is um, work that you're deeply connected to as well. Um, the, the story about Jewish control to undermine white Christian society has also been extended to say that Jews are behind a migrant crisis in Europe and the United States. And according to a version of what's called the Great Replacement Theory, um, Jews are specifically moving migrants around the globe. The idea is to cause unrest and the destruction of white Christian society and that we're using migrants to do that. Um, these messages, unfortunately, can be found all over Europe and the US and on white nationalist websites and news sites and social media and all of it. Um, these messages were the messages that were regularly shared by the shooter of the Pittsburgh Tree of Life Synagogue. You know, he specifically blamed Hyas, the Jewish-run refugee resettlement agency, for bringing migrants into the United States, as if that's a bad thing. Um, but he went into the synagogue to kill Jews as a means to protect white society from the dangers of the migrant caravan nearing the U.S. border. 
So we're really seeing these connections between xenophobia, anti-Semitism, anti-Black racism as intertwined as ever. Um, and these interconnections are manifesting even today in conspiracy theories about the coronavirus. Um, so when we're being targeted together, it's important that our communities are resisting together and building together towards this inclusive multiracial democracy in which we can all actually thrive. Yeah, amazing. So, you know, I wasn't planning on asking this, but it's emerging as you're thinking, because I, I keep hearing this, this, this question from other circles. How, how do you understand these minority, minority groups to be working to uproot sort of hate that emerges within those minority groups as well? Um, so for example, uh, we know there are Jews who are fostering racism and Jews who are fostering xenophobia towards those populations. We also know that there are communities of color and there are immigrant populations that hold uh, deeply anti-Semitic views. And I wonder, like, we know there are Jewish organizations that are pushing back against um, those groups doing that. And I wonder what you see happening in, in some of those other communities as well um, for them to, within their own community, also call that out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's, um, there are so many stories that I think we all tell about each other, yeah. um, as, as, as painful as that is. And there's so much misunderstanding that we have about the oppressions that impact each other. Um, and one of the things that I am seeing is, um, especially when it comes to, let's say, looking at um, relationships between uh, Jewish communities and Black communities, of course, with the knowledge that Jewish communities are multiracial and that Black communities are multireligious and multiethnic at the same time, um, that um, there are stories that have been told about our communities that we have betrayed each other. And these were definitely built in this country after the civil rights movement. Um, as different political groups emerged and other ones um, really decreased in power and size and different configurations happened that there was a story um, told by both communities that they were betrayed by the other. And I think that there is not, this is not directly answering your question, but I'm gonna get there. No. I think that there is, um, a lack of all of us being able to face into some of those very painful histories about when our communities were actually broken apart and when our social movements, when we were together, were broken apart and actually facing some of the grief from those times for us to really be able to build the kind of strong connections that we need moving forward because all of the all of the building that we're doing is all happening on a very unstable foundation because we actually haven't looked at that grief together and that sense of betrayal together. And I think that if we actually look at that, um, then that, that leads us to be able to build the kind of foundations that can really be uh, life-changing for, for, for the country. Um, and so the things that I see that are the most powerful happening in communities right now is when people are facing into that grief together. And instead of kind of smoothing over it and being like, oh, we are individual people and this is a new generation and we're just going to start right now building what we need, it's actually facing into what were the stories that we were told about each other 
what have we learned about each other that makes us not trust each other and that makes us believe that the other person's gonna going to um, throw us under the bus when the going gets tough. And if we can actually get at that grief and get at those stories, then, um, then we're able to build together. So what I've seen that's the most inspiring right now is when people are like able to open to that historical grief and to face it and to um, turn towards a different future without ignoring um, that. And that that's how people are actually able to build that kind of foundation. So I'm seeing that with um, uh, work that's happening with Jewish community action in Minnesota, uh, Jews for Racial and Economic Justice in New York, um, Jews United for Justice in DC. There's a lot of groups that are, um, that are dedicated to actually forming the kinds of foundations that we can build on. Yeah, okay, awesome. So once we've done some of that complex work around grief and trust building, um, what are some of the most powerful ways that you think Jews and other marginalized uh, communities can, can work together for real change? Yeah, um, another good question. Um, well, I think that one of the things, and this, this is connected to what we were just talking about, is that um, to remember that racism and anti-Semitism, uh, for example, uh, are not, um, they are not like uh, forever systems that uh, are not being, <laughs> I'm being very inarticulate right now. Um, they're being used for a reason. Um, Anti-Semitism and racism are both really used to, to divide us. They are extraordinarily divisive and people use it to divide us. Um, there are some ways in which we, uh, um, you know, we breathe these stories in, we tell them uh, to each other in ways we don't even know. And then there are ways in which politicians are actually really using these um, to divide our community. So I think one of the things that we need to do together is actually get really clear and expose the ways that politicians are using anti-Semitism uh, divisively, are using racism divisively. Um, I think the exposure of this is one of the things that we actually need to do. Um, and I do wanna hone in a bit on um, what it means to be building coalitions together. Um, and I think that the kind of coalitions that we um, can be building are the kind where everybody is taking risks. Um, I think that we are in a period right now, unfortunately, with COVID-19, that we are seeing the interconnected ways in which um, our lives are dependent on each other. But I don't think that our organizing has caught up to that yet. I mean, it has only been a few weeks. Um, but I, I do think that there's a way in which when we are, when we can really understand um, our deep interconnectedness, it lets us take more risks together. And I think that this is a risk taking time. Um, and that, uh, I think that is one of the kind of key things that our movements in general have really shied away from. We are used to kind of doing um, uh, things that are performative, um, things that are symbolic, which uh, are deeply important to us as humans. But I think that we um, have not yet thought about what are the comforts in our life that we are going to have to be willing to give up to create a different kind of society. Yeah. Um, and so I think for, for us to be in those coalitions, 
we also, you know, going back again, need to have some extraordinary levels of trust to be able to say, you know, if I'm going to take these risks, if I'm going to give up these kind of comforts in my life, um, I need to believe that you're sticking with me through this um, and that you're not going to give up when the going gets tough and I'm not going to either. Um, and so I think that there is an element of us testing that now. Um, you know, coalitions are not easy. Um, they are really trying. They are really difficult. Um, it means actually facing our disappointments in each other over and over again, facing the ways in which um, people don't understand anti-Semitism or people don't understand racism or people don't understand um, the impacts of economic exploitation or Islamophobia. Um, we have to face those disappointments in each other. We have to educate each other. We have to make a commitment to stay even when the going gets tough because I think for the kind of real change that we want and the kind of risks that we need to take together, that's the level of trust we need to build. Yeah. So anything that's happening right now where communities are building trust together, um, that, that is a commitment to the future. Yeah. That, is, that is right on. Yeah, I mean, this issue of trust is so relevant to, to, to Passover as we think about what it means to leave Mitzrayim, to leave Egypt, to walk through the sea. And I think all these rabbinic sources around the clash between truth and peace, that part of holding a coalition together, curious if you agree, is to be willing to be a little um, more uncomfortable with our perfect truth as we understand it not being fulfilled in the name of a, a bigger peace that's at stake. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder, so, so Dove, I mean, th these are such complex issues and I wonder what are some of the resources you would point to for folks to either practically tap into this type of coalition building, trust building, relationship building, or to just, um, or to read more, just learn more about, about these complex dynamics. Yeah, um, there, uh, <laughs> there's, there's so much learning for us all to do together. Um, there's a couple of folks who I uh, go to as uh, some of my rabbis. Um, Eric Ward at Western State Center uh, has been really putting out extremely valuable uh, lessons about anti-Semitism and its intersections with other oppressions. Um, Someone that folks might be less familiar with, Scott Nakagawa, um, who is um, at Change Lab. Um, he puts out some extremely um, beautiful and informative writing about um, the political landscape we're in and what we can be doing as different communities coming together um, and um, facing the challenges really head on uh, and strategically. So Scott Nakagawa is the second one. Um, Third, I would say um, Political Research Associates. Um, their website is just full of reports that can really, um, if you are someone who wants to do a deep dive, um, Political Research website is the place to go to really, I think, understand this political moment and also to understand the ways in which different communities are being targeted. Um, I, I learn constantly um, just things that I didn't realize about what people are experiencing every day. Um, for humans that are not me. So I think that um, there's some reports from political research associates that can be really helpful. Um, and then I would say, you know, even in this time of uh, coronavirus where it's very hard for us to get out and around, um, finding out just what is happening in your neighborhood. What are the, um, what's the organizing happening? What is the mutual aid happening? What's happening with public schools right now? 
Um, there's just lessons that I think we miss of what's happening just with our neighbors. Um, and the more that we can just step into our neighbor's shoes in this time, I think that that gives us uh, a whole lot more insight into um, where we have shared purpose together. Yeah, amazing, amazing. So just the last question for you. Um, I wonder if there's a piece of Torah you might want to share with us that, that you feel guides your, guides your moral leadership or helps to sustain you or, or direct you. Um, yeah, something that sustains me is that um, I have a vegetable garden and uh, it gives me a lot of life. And um, the, um, the Jerusalem Talmud explains that the farmer who sows seeds places their faith in the life giver of the world. And uh, that resonates very deeply with me, um, that whether it's my garden, um, where I am constantly amazed that uh, tiny seeds turn into vegetables that can feed my family and friends, um, or it's the seeds that we put into the world through our work, through our organizing, through our coalitions, through the ways in which we show up for each other, um, that every act towards the future is, is placing faith in God, um, in the one who gives life to the world. And um, I believe that our, our work is nothing if not a commitment to the future. Yeah, amen, beautiful, that's super inspiring. And, and maybe I should think about planting a garden now, so <laughs> thank you. Okay, thank you so much for your time and just wishing you thank so much you. continued success in your work. Thank you, you too, thank you for all that you do.